Hi, I'm Ali Maldro, the host of A Public Affair on Tuesdays. You can listen to this show any day of the week, any hour of the day on the WORT smartphone app or on wortfm.org. If you love what you hear, click that donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab my mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. Good afternoon, Madison. You're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Maldro. This is a public affair. And today we are joined by Angela Lang, who is the executive director of BLOCK. That stands for Black Leaders Organizing for Community. BLOCK is committed to investing in the black community of Milwaukee to build long-term political power. Angela was born and raised in Milwaukee. Before joining BLOCK, Angela organized with the Service Employees International. She was also the political director for For Our Future Wisconsin. Angela is a fierce advocate for securing more seats at the table for those who represent the new American majority. Thank you for joining us, Angela. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited about this. I'm so grateful to have you here. It's election day. Get out there and vote, folks. If you're jumping in the car, you know, to to go vote and you're listening to us, we'd love to hear from you about how voting is going, your favorite voting experiences, your favorite canvassing stories, whatever is on your mind. Give us a call. The number is 608-256-2001, extension 9. Huge shout out to our producer today, Jade, and our engineer today, Ben. I just found out Ben has a mustache, y'all. It's the first time Ben lowered his mask (laughs) to say something. I was like, whoa, you have a face under there. Um, We're coming to you live from the studio. Angela, you're coming to us live from Block headquarters in Milwaukee. What is it it like for you all today? Today is a, a big day for turning out the vote. You've all worked really hard on this election for a long time. What does it feel like to to have the finish line not here but in sight? Yeah, it feels it feels weird. I feel like for so long we were waiting for this day to come and now that we're here we're like, "Oh, it's here." Like the world could be different. Wisconsin could be different in just a few hours. Um and so our team, you know, we're we're known for having our 12-hour election day. So our team was up and in the field bright and early at 8 a.m. Uh, leaving literature on doors. So if people were leaving for work, they got that final push. Um, They came back to the office a little while ago um, as like a little bit of a refresher. We got donuts and snacks for the team. And as with tradition, we have state representative David Bowen uh, literally talking to our team as we speak, kind of hyping them up. He has been a very strong supporter of me and of Block over the years. So I texted him. I was like, oh yeah, it's election day. He was like, you know, it's tradition. I got to come through. Um, and then our team is going to be back out in the field in about 30, 45 minutes and knocking all the way until polls close. Oh, wow. I I, I think thinking about, you know, how engaged people are in this election, how important this election is to people, um, you know, really forces you to kind of reconcile with all of the work that went into people being able to vote and all the work that's gone into preventing people from voting. And you all are, are situated kind of at the, the you know, the intersection of combating voter suppression in Wisconsin. What does it look like for you all to, to turn out the vote and what are kind of the goals and metrics? How will you all know you've done a good job? Yeah, so I appreciate this question because I think people define success just attached to a a certain outcome, right? An electoral outcome. And obviously we want our endorsed candidates to to win um, by all means, but we also know that if we can just reach one extra person that is more educated and informed about voting, that is also success for us. Uh, One thing I've been really kind of just sitting in is um, our... Our team was was lucky enough to um, host Simone Sanders and her show on MSNBC recently. And I keep playing back the clip because one of our ambassadors, Shanice, um, talks about how she didn't know anything about politics. And we taught her every single thing that she knew. And she's, you know, having meetings with elected officials. She's on our endorsement committee. She's going out to meetings in D.C. And for me, that's how I define success. How are we building this kind of long-term civic engagement and how people are starting to be more aware? So by all means, we're going to be paying attention to turnout as well. But we know that we've already... Um, 
have been successful in turning out new voters, people that have said, I'm going to vote because you knocked on my door, mm. right? That is that is powerful for us. And so in a way, we kind of already won. And I kind of give this, um, this, this speech to the team every election day and election night eve. It was like, no matter what happens, I'm incredibly proud of the work that we've done. Uh, we've dealt with really traumatic situations and um, obstacles, and yet the team still shows up day in and day out. And I can't be more proud of them and of our work, to be honest. See, this is why I can't work for you, because I'm over here in the radio station about to cry. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> need, I don't need these pep talks right now. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with my emotions, you know. Because um, it is. It's an emotional day. And what I love about your answer is you're really talking about bridging that gap between organizing and activism and politics. And I think yeah. a lot of times people kind of pit what it means to be an activist and an organizer against what it means to be politically engaged. And for so mm -hmm. many of us, how we got to politics was activism, was organizing. Yeah. Angela Lang, do you remember your first election the first time you voted? Oh, of course, because my first election was Barack Obama in 2008. Okay, look at us over here being young, okay? Yes. So I'm always going to remember my first election because that was the presidential. That was like, ooh, Obama, he looks like me. I remember those feelings. I remember being like a baby organizer, doing a lot of nonpartisan work and going, having to register. Me and my mom, we went to the church that I did Girl Scouts in up the street from our apartment and, you know, registering and doing all that. And I remember I felt I needed to be a part of something. I wasn't organizing that deep yet, but I was able to be like, you know what? How can I find somebody? I want to knock doors. And so I like, I took like a later shift. It was like five o'clock. I saw a headquarters that was all in disarray and campaign staffers that I didn't understand until years later why they were all stressed <laughs> out and why they looked the way they did and why there were empty coffee cups and just everywhere. And I felt like I was like, I need to knock doors. And so from like six to eight, I'm over here knocking doors where I grew up talking to my neighbors and saying, hey, that's your polling place. Um, and that was really impactful for me. And then um, being on the bus um, in my old school phone um, and got the notification that um, that Barack Obama won. And like, I remember seeing like sitting across the way from this elderly black woman, and we kind of just looked at each other and we just started crying. Like no words were exchanged. We just knew what this meant and why, you know, and to have her be an elder black woman and what that meant for her and what that meant for me, just like our age difference. I will always remember election night in 2008. Oh, I will too. I remember kind of everybody, I was on campus and everybody kind of came outside. And when I voted, though, I voted with my parents. And my dad votes in local elections, but up until Barack Obama, he actually didn't vote for president. Um, mm. He kind of protested that that election and he threatened to go back to protesting the pre presidential election um, during the whole Hillary Trump situation. Mm. Um, but we, we changed his mind. Uh, but I think it's interesting to think about, you know, who feels like their vote matters and who doesn't. Um, and I think so much of the work you all do is convincing folks that their vote really does count. What do you what do you do when you encounter folks who say, listen, my government has never shown up for me. It hasn't shown up for me in terms of my education, my housing, the quality of the air I breathe, the food I eat. Um, I, I don't feel like I have a say in this and I don't think that you know the the folks who are running really understand where i'm coming from what do you how do you how do you get somebody like that to to show up at the polls i think um it starts and this is probably going to be controversial to some but i think it starts by like acknowledging and understanding like i hear you and depending on the day i'm frustrated too and depending on the day i don't always want to show up and do this work because i'm also frustrated that change isn't happening as fast as I want it to. Or sometimes I do feel these elected officials can't relate to me. But I think one, it has a conversation for harm reduction. I think people are talking about harm reduction a lot since 2016. Um, if people weren't pro-Hillary, it was like, well, you know, do we stop Trump, right? And same with Biden. So I think there's a, an educational piece about harm reduction, about kind of long-term strategy. But I think being able to acknowledge and be like, you know what, I hear you. I think we do a lot of shaming of people that don't vote instead of trying to understand why. And so listening and understanding why people feel that way and affirming that those feelings are valid, I think is incredibly important. And then what I'll say too, is that, you know what? Um, if you wanna guarantee the status quo doesn't change, then you don't vote. If you just wanna throw a Hail Mary and do whatever you can to just be like, let me just see 
right? Voting is not the silver bullet. We want to make sure that we're transparent with our community. Voting is not going to change everything overnight, right? But we want to make sure that we're using every single tool in our toolbox because that is required for long-term justice and liberation in our community. And so to guarantee the status quo to continue is to not vote. But I would rather at least show up and use the tactic and the power that I have to at least try. And I think sometimes that resonates with people. Or if that doesn't, the whole point of our model is to be on a year-round basis. And so if they're not ready to vote, it's like, okay, I talked to a woman. Would you be willing to share your story in front of the mayor or the county executive or the governor? They're like, absolutely, I'd share my story. So she, there's an opening for her to be civically um, engaged but she wasn't there with voting. And so are there other ways that we could tap into other people being civically engaged um, as kind of like a precursor so people start to connect those dots as they vote as well too? Angela, I knew this was gonna be difficult because when you, whenever I talk to you, I just, I turn into like a hype man at like a ludicrous concert. I just wanna be like, <laughs> yes, yes, say that. I love what, what you have to say and I love that you're not narrowing what it means to be engaged. And I also think that's, I think one of the hardest things about when somebody says, I don't want to vote and here's why, um, is the part of you that agrees with them, the part of you that goes, no, this is really challenging. And it is easier to give up and accept that we're not going to make progress versus fight for progress like a dog every day. Um, so I, I get it, especially at the end of a campaign when everybody's exhausted. You know, it's interesting to think about what keeps you, Angela, and your team going. Like, how do you all you know, find the energy after months and months and months of campaigning to do a 12-hour day? I think um, I was explaining this to someone that we are deeply connected, not only to the work, but to each other. Um, we are very intentional with how we're building and kind of building this internal camaraderie. We try to center wellness as much as possible. We have a thing called Wellness Wednesday. Uh, we get really vulnerable and honest with each other. And I think we're able to build that trust with each other that we're able to lean on each other and continue. Um, everybody's tired. I'm not going to pretend like we're not, right? There are people that are kind of like limping of like, damn, this has been a long, you know, stretch of doors um, or people that are moving a little bit slower or the bones are cracking when you wake up, right? Mm -hmm. But I think at the same time, we spent so much time with each other and doing the education and understanding that it's not just, hey, vote for this person. This is voting for our futures. This is a long game. This is like, one part of like our, our own political futures and, and what we need to quite frankly save this democracy, right? And so I think for us being able to kind of just be grounded with each other as corny as that sounds, I was saying this about our deputy director, Keisha, is that like, I could not do this work without her um, and being able to have somebody that you are in deep um, alignment, trust and community and relationship with helps you want to continue to go as well because there's a deep understanding and alignment of why you're both here and i think that is very powerful and um, as tired as we are i think we seek um affirmations and validation and support from each other which i think is something very beautiful and special and all the feels today Oh man, shout out to your entire team for for finding the strength to to keep it going and to keep the enthusiasm up and to turn out the vote today. If you want to, you know, if you want to make sure that you vote and I want to make sure that you vote, um, if you still need to vote today, you can find your polling place and see what's on your ballot by going to myvote.wi.gov. That's myvote wi.gov please make sure to vote y'all if you're just tuning in you're listening to a public affair with Ali Maldro this is WORT 89.9 and today we are interviewing Angela Ling who is the executive director of block that stands for black leaders organizing for community Wisconsin is an interesting place to talk mm -hmm. about the role of race and politics um, and so why why is it important to engage the black community of Wisconsin politically? We are really, really small community. Black people are about we're about six, seven percent of Wisconsin. Um, to put that in perspective, Wisconsin is 17 percent people over the age of 65. Right. There are three times as many people over 65 in Wisconsin as there are black people living in Wisconsin. Um, so why why have this really small portion of our community highlighted politically? Why is that the work that block needs to do? 
I would say there's there's two ways I want to respond to this. One, first and foremost, because black people live here and we deserve to be talked about, amplified, centered, um, and to have our issues talked about, right? Oh. Like you can't just ignore people because they're a smaller-ish percentage um, in the state as if we don't matter, as if we um, aren't a part of the system. Angela, and don't so- you hold back. Don't you hold back. You, you say that. <laughs> I think, um, you know, it's, it starts by like dignity and seeing the dignity in all Wisconsinites, whether you're on the north side of Milwaukee or in the North Woods, like we all need to be represented. We all need to be talking about our different um, um, communities. And so I think on the other part of it, first, I just wanted to center the, um, the humanity. Um, the second part is, you know, we are a fairly small um, percentage as it relates to the total percentage. But I also want to remind people that while we may only be like seven, eight percent, um, these races are often decided by one percentage point, mm-hmm. right? We are the difference makers. There is no way to win a statewide election without people of color, right? And people code that and say, oh, well, we can't win without Milwaukee. Milwaukee is people of color. Name it, say it. You cannot win a statewide election without black and brown people, point blank, period. And so people are starting to realize that. (laughs) Um, It's been a little late to the game, but I think it's important to know that, um, especially too, with everything that's happening, um, not just in the last like two years with um, the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, like protests and whatnot, but like, we're in this moment because we haven't been talked about. We haven't been talked to. And so now we're in this racial reckoning and people are like, oh, now we should probably talk to black people. Imagine if you had engaged us on policy 15, 20, 30 years ago, would we still be here? Will we still be in this racial reckoning um, moment that we have now? And so one, I just wanna make sure that no matter what zip code you live in, what corner of Wisconsin you live in, we all wanna have a healthy, thriving, safe community. And that includes everybody. And that includes specifically black and brown people that live in Milwaukee. Angela, do you still get out there and do doors as the executive director? Do you get out there and canvas? I try. I have my tennis shoes on. I'm going to try and like hit some doors today. Um, but like the more and more our um, our team grows over the years, like the harder it is to do doors. But I, it's very important for me, though, um, to do that work myself. Like I don't want to do something and make our team do something that I'm not willing to do myself. I feel very strongly in that. I knock doors that like you can't be where you are without knocking those doors. And I think it's important because I've seen people who will remain nameless who, you know, sit in their war rooms and have never knocked on a door, at least in several cycles, but for some reason fix their mouth to say, this is what Black people need. When was the last time you knocked on a Black person's door, but now you have opinions of it? And so it's important for us to make sure that we are still, whether it's phone banking, texting, knocking on doors, something, that we are still also doing that as a staff. Um, So, like, I'm actually speaking from experience. I knocked on a door of this woman that said this. I'm not just taking other people's work. I want to see um, the stuff myself. And so when I'm in these sometimes predominantly white spaces and they want to say, this is what black and brown people need, I could be like, no, I knock these doors and this is actually what my community needs. When was the last time you did? Mm. I I think that doing doors canvassing is you know, especially when you first start doing it, it is intimidating. I understand why people are not comfortable knocking strangers' doors. To some extent, I feel like the first few times I did it, I could, like, hear my mom being like, don't talk to strangers. Like, I was like, what (laughs) am I doing? I'm out here at dusk knocking on strangers' doors. But I have to say, like, some of the most affirming and loving moments in my life have been while canvassing. Do you have, like, your favorite canvassing moment, your favorite story of being at somebody's door? I will say, um, I think my my favorite, um, and it's not always a positive one, but it's one that sticks with me that I think encompasses a lot of challenges is um, I remember knocking a door um, and it was GOTV. It was like Sunday or something. And she was like, voting, huh? What? Like really, it wasn't really on our radar. She kind of didn't care. It was the most perfect door. She was hyped up, ready to go. She was like, all right, cool. Like, very lovely, very, very lovely woman. And so I was like, cool, what's your vote plan? Like, do you plan on voting in the morning, in the afternoon, after work, on Tuesday? She was like, oh, that's this Tuesday? And I was like, yeah, like this Tuesday coming up, the day after next. And she was like, oh, and she gave the literature back. And she said, I work two jobs and I have a night class and I'll be having my kid with me. There was just literally no time in the day 
for her to vote, right? And I and I bring this up um, because I, I think it talks about there's other ways and other challenges and obstacles that our communities have to deal with that aren't always seen as traditional voter suppression, right? If you don't have a living wage job or you don't have reliable transportation, right, then you're gonna be in a situation like her, right? If you had a living wage job, maybe she only had to work one job and she wouldn't have to work two jobs in, in one day in order to make ends meet. Um, and so living wages are absolutely a democracy issue. Um, having reliable, safe transportation is absolutely a democracy issue. Having so childcare is absolutely child, a democracy right. issue. And so we need to have these conversations that like, there's all these other challenges that are happening. Um, and I remember like staying in touch with her and she was able to vote the next election, right? Like mm. we had conversations. I was like, I have to, I was like, I'm personally keeping her phone number in my personal cell phone, not my work cell phone and my personal cell phone. I was like, I'm, it didn't work out this time. She is going to vote the next time. And she did. And she was very excited. And, um, you know, she, she thanked me for even knocking on her door, but also being patient. She was like, I know I wasn't able to vote last time. I really, really wanted to. Like, she kind of, like, felt bad. And I was like, I'm not here for that. I'm not here to shame you. Like, I'm glad. But let's also talk about, like, these other challenges that you have. Um, and so I think it provides more of a nuanced conversation. Because Lord knows after today, everyone's going to talk about Black turnout one way, shape, or form. Right? It's always dissected. It is problematic in how we talk about it some reporters on one hand talk about voter suppression and then on the other hand talk about oh there's low black voter turnout marry these things have this conversation that like we have to go through such um big obstacles just to even show up and vote and we're not always talking about it we're not talking about the living wage the child care the transportation as being part of democracy issues and so that gets lost and so being that's why i tell this story is like it's more than having photo id or having to show your your proof of residency to register. It's more than that, um, which makes me so proud of the work that we do because we're starting, you know, before the the start line. Everyone is able to start at the start line. We're a whole couple blocks behind, and yet we still make up this way because we are so passionate and dedicated to making our voices heard. But we also need to understand that there are people that are not able to make it to that finish line because of voter suppression and those other obstacles as well. Oh, thank you so much for for talking about that. And I think that's such that's such a rare like voter engagement story um, because I think the stories people are used to hearing are the stories that are really warm and really friendly and and in some ways kind of easy. I got there. I reminded the person right on time and as the canvasser who saved the day. Right. And I think you're you're talking about the long term work of this. I will say I've knocked thousands of doors and my favorite canvassing story is not my own canvassing story. My daughter went, has been canvassing. She's been doing doors since she was four years old. Get it, baby girl. She just turned 13 right. last week. And she <laughs> came home one day just in tears with her dad because she was bitten by a dog while, while canvassing. Um, and her dad kind of joked like, well, they're definitely going to vote for you now because their dog, you know, bit your kid. But, um, you know, she was really upset about it. My friend Max, you know, scooped her up. He was so sweet. And he said, you know, you get to tell people how hard you worked for this election for the rest of your yeah. life. You get to say, I stayed out past bedtime. I walked blocks and blocks. I was bitten by a dog, you know, and she said, that's right. I do. I get to say like, I get yeah. to say that I won the election for these people <laughs> and I thought yes. she was so she was so proud of that moment if you're just tuning in you're listening to a public affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison my name is Ali Muldrow and it is election day joining us to talk about the importance of protecting the vote is Angela Lang she is the executive director of Block. that's black leader that's black leaders organizing for community Angela, I want to share with you, since I just mentioned Adrian, her birthday was last week on Tuesday. So she's been a teenager for one week. She can't vote, but she is deeply engaged in, in this election. And she made a song um, parroting the Spice Girls. So her group is five young ladies, um, and they're called the Rights Girls. And they made a song called If You Want to Be My Governor. We're gonna... I saw that. Okay. I saw that, actually. <laughs> I like, was like, this sounds great, but I saw this. Okay, well, we're going to play it for the folks who are listening to WRT. So check out the music of my 13-year-old child. I love this. <laughs> Yo, what's up? 
Thanks, Ben, for for playing, my kiddos. If you want to share with us your story about voting, your enthusiasm for today, the things that your family has done to get out the vote, we would love to hear from you. The number is 608-256-2001, extension 9. Um, Tell us about how you got involved in politics. Tell us about how you came back to politics. Tell us about how you feel about election day, what what's what you're doing to get ready for the election, how you feel about waiting for the votes to come in. Angela, do you have a plan? Does your team have a plan for at eight o'clock when the polls close? You know, how, what do you do while you wait for, for the votes to be counted? Um, so there's all sorts of watch parties. Um, and our team will be coming back to the office where we already have a TV hooked up. We're already frantically looking at all the things. Um, state rep David Bowen will be on Spectrum News from eight, I think until like midnight. So we're gonna watch his analysis and reporting as well. Um I will say that one of the errands I had to run this morning was to go to the liquor store and buy several bottles of champagne, maybe also a bottle of tequila. Um, for folks okay, Scotty girls. <laughs> but um, I-, I bought champagne because I know some uh, like champagne is mostly for celebrating. But at the end of the day, I was like, we gonna pop in, pop open the champagne regardless because I'm so proud of the work that we did, no matter the outcome. And so we are gonna, we got some snacks. We're gonna hang out at our office. Um, our political director Kyle will be at um, Mandela's watch party here in Milwaukee. I'm gonna try and slide by there later in the night. Um, but I can imagine this is exactly how I was in 2018. I'm going to be sitting in front of my laptop of frantically hitting the refresh button for about six hours. Oh, man. 2018 was just it was such like a nail biting experience. I remember just kind of the the roller coaster of watching votes come in that night. Um, And, you know, it looked like that election was going to go one way at 11 o'clock at night and then at 1.30 in the morning um, that that election turned out differently. Are yeah. you thinking that it'll look similar this evening to 2018, that we'll see high turnout, that we'll see a high number you know, of, of absentee, especially because absentee voting has increased since 2020? Um, and so do you think that we're going to be, you know, really waiting to see results tomorrow? I think it's going to be a long night. Um, I remember in 2018, I believe Senator Tammy Baldwin, her race was called in like seven or eight minutes. And I was like, oh, this is great. And then like the governor wasn't called until like one after one in the morning. Um, I think I anticipate that um, we know that it's going to be a very, very close race. Um, given all the polling and all the research and the data that we've seen, I can imagine it's going to be close. And so if it's going to be close, it's going to be too close to call for quite some time. Um and I am encouraged by hearing some of the early vote numbers and the early vote locations and some of the statistics that we're seeing already. Um, and all of that means it's going to we're narrowing um, the, the margin. It's going to be very, very close. I can imagine, again, it's going to be decided within one percentage point. Um, and so if that's the case, I think we're in for a very long night. Um, and we also understand, too, as important Wisconsin is, there's national implications of what happens, right? No, there's um, global well, implications. I mean, we're talking about that, the yeah. environment, you know, like this globally, is, all of it. Um, save but, save yeah, Wisconsin, like, save the world. Depending on how the Senate race goes, right? Are Republicans going to take back the Senate? What does that look like? We already see that the Senate has a narrow uh, margin. Uh, we also will be paying close attention to um, things like Stacey Abrams and, and her race. And what does that look like? And what happens in Georgia? Um, Ooh, we've got you kind of paused or kind of frozen a little bit. So we're just going to you know, remind people that you're listening to WORT 89.9 FM, 
This is A Public Affair. My name is Ali Maldro, and it's election day. And if you haven't voted yet and you still need to, you're, you can find your polling place and see what's on your ballot by going to myvote.wi.gov. I want to thank our team today, our engineer, Ben, our producer, Jays, Jade, our news director, Shali. I'm Jade. I'm so sorry that I just called you Jace. Um, If you want to join this conversation, now would be an amazing time to join the conversation because Angela Lang is frozen on, on our Google Meet. So the number is 608-256-2001 extension one or extension nine to reach us you can also talk to us on twitter um although i'm like i think today is my last day on twitter everybody i'm like i think i'm 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 walking away from it after this election um and you can also join the conversation by you know commenting on a public affairs page on facebook so um we still don't have angela lang back and i'm gonna read you all a little election day poem and then hopefully somebody will call and just like bail out a friend and join this conversation and you know talk a little bit about what voting means to you or what your first election was like or what you hope the outcome of today is this poem is called voting as fire extinguisher when the haunted house catches fire a moment of indecision The house was, after all, built on bones and blood and bad intentions. Everyone who enters the house feels that overwhelming dread, the evil that perhaps only fire can purge. It's tempting to just let it burn. And then I remember there are children inside. That poem is by Kyle Tran Meyer, and um, I think it's a nice reminder that we're not just voting to, you know, advocate for ourselves. We're, we're voting to advocate for everybody that we care about. Uh, Angela is is back on the air with us. Angela, how are you doing yeah. after that brief moment of technical difficulty? Sorry about that. Um, I don't know what happened, but of course, the Internet just went out in our office. So, you know, Election Day, you know, challenges as always. But we're going to make it work like we always do. Are you worried about, you know, the the kind of conspiracy theories that are surrounding elections right now? Are you worried about the idea that uh, if the election doesn't go a certain way, that folks are going to claim that the election was fraudulent or stolen or unfair? Yeah, I mean, I think we're always concerned about that Um, when you see people like Ron Johnson say, you know, I don't know um, if I can trust what Democrats are going to do on Election Day. Or you have people like Tim Michaels that say, when I'm, you know, governor, no Republican is ever going to lose an election again. Um, we're, we're seeing people peddling things like the big lie, which is incredibly frustrating, and that further divides and polarizes our country. And we also see that there's increased threats against community members, against poll workers and election observers and all of these things. So we're always concerned um, by how dangerous that narrative is. And it's unfortunate that we've seen people who are on the ballot today uh, peddling that that uh, gross misinformation as well as a way to further divide our country and just to not accept that they may potentially lose. I've lost an election before. It's it's hard to lose an election, but it's usually it pretty obvious that you lost. Um, and <laughs> and I, I think it's I, I, I would say the idea that we've always been worried about folks coming out and questioning the integrity of our elections. I, I would say, you know, here in Wisconsin, I that actually hasn't been a concern of mine. Our elections are really close. I really trust the clerks of our state. In fact, yep. huge shout out and thank you to the folks who are working the polls today. Huge shout out to to Scott yep. McDonald. Um, huge shout out to the to the folks who are making sure our election is fair and legitimate. Um, this seems to be a, a a real, you know, there's been this like surge since 2016 of of concern that there is voter fraud um even though voter fraud is is you know really really rare how do we combat that narrative that our elections um are rigged yeah i mean i think it starts by having just like important conversations if people feel concerned or they're like why is you know it taking so long to count all these ballots 
there's a simple answer and we just need to be having those conversations. Um, I shared a Facebook status recently from um, a school board member that actually was talking about like, hey, like if it takes a while to count the ballots, this is how it works in the state of Wisconsin. We're not able to start counting the um, absentee ballots until election day. And so that's going to take quite some time. Um, But if we're not doing that education, then it kind of just allows for more and more conspiracy theories and people to kind of fill in those gaps. And so I would say if people have questions, ask. Um, There's logical, very rational reasons as to why sometimes the elections will take a long time um, to count, and it's not immediate. And that also is a good sign. If it's taking a while to count the ballots, that means that there's a lot of ballots, which means that there's a lot of civic participation, and we should be encouraged by that. But that may take a little bit longer. So that's just one example. But I think we need to be honest with these conversations. And I I think we need to make sure that we're not giving oxygen um, to these people. You know, I know what they say is kind of wild and and ridiculous and people may want to, you know, quote tweet them on Twitter or talk about it, but we want to make sure that we're not amplifying their message either too. Um, It's kind of one of those things you kind of just let them be in a corner, go have your, your uh, radical side of the internet where if if you believe these conspiracy theories, but here's going to be the rest of the the mainstream society understanding uh, what's actually happening. Well, and it's interesting to me because I just have a really hard time thinking that people believe that our elections are rigged to disadvantage wealthy white men. Um, I'm like, that is that is really fascinating to me. I just yep. don't think that that has ever been how our society works. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's become a really popular fear. The other thing that I think people are talking about more and more is the threat of violence around voting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of us are, are pretty aware of the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband um, and you know the the different kind of fringe um, you know I I don't know I would say right extremist groups that are showing up with guns and standing outside of polling places um, particularly in communities of color Um, Mm -hmm. how how are you all grappling with that are you seeing that is that more of a is that more of a story than an actual threat? Um, do we know about it because it's interesting and easy to sensationalize? Or do we know about it because mm. this is a growing thing we need to be aware of and worried about? I mean, this is something that I'm always concerned about, um, whether it's like a quote, like real threat or not, um, because we're black organizers, right? And we've seen what our ancestors and civil rights leaders had to go through, um, you know, and, and the harassment that they've experienced. Uh, without going into too many details, like we've experienced police harassment um, as it gets closer to an election. We see, you know, all these kind of different things that happen in our office that we have to amp up our own security. Uh, thank goodness everybody is safe, but it's just the world that we're living in um, that tensions and emotions are high. Um, and unfortunately, we've seen people um, kind of take it there and take it to that level. And as long as that threat and those emotions are high and that exists, I think it's something that we always need to take seriously, um, especially if it's not being prosecuted. I know, you know, Department of Justice is slowly making its way through, you know, the January 6th um, uh, just insurrection and, and holding people accountable for that. But at the same time, like there's people that haven't been held accountable for perpetuating things like the big lie. And so if we are not holding people accountable and people are not prosecuted um, with these threats, they're going to continue. And uh, thank goodness we haven't heard any threats here and now today. It is also still fairly early. Um, but we've seen, you know, challenges and, and issues um, in other places. And so it's something that we're always keeping an eye on. And I really wish that people uh, take it seriously and are prosecuting and taking seriously any real threats uh, against either our poll workers, our election observers, or anybody that is trying to administer our fair and free, safe elections. I mean, it's a really interesting thing to think about or to worry about because I've always taken my my children, my trio of, of babies with me to vote. Um, mm-hmm. And as we start to hear more and more stories about people showing up at polling places armed or people standing outside of polling places armed, you start to worry whether or not it's you're risking your safety, you're risking the safety of your kids to vote that on top of, you know, the the pandemic. Right. And how that impacted the the way we feel about about voting, about standing in line, about being close to each other or in a crowded space. Um, And so, 
What do you say to folks who have those concerns? Do you do you all do a lot of work connecting folks with voting early, with voting absentee? And what does that work look like for Block? Yeah, absolutely. We always want to make sure that people are aware of all options. Um, I will say that I had not voted by mail in early absentee um, before 2020. I was like, all right, how do I request an absentee ballot? How does this work? Um, And so we want to make sure that people understand that if you are finding a new routine, because you just mentioned your routine, I had a routine for a while as well. A lot of us had to change our typical routine um, since 2020. And so making sure people understand, okay, how do you want to vote? Do you want to request your ballot um, in February and get all of your ballots for the whole year? Do you want to in-person early vote and make a thing out of it? Or do you want to vote on um, election? day. And so we want to make sure that people understand what all options are available to them and how they're able to kind of plug in. It's also helpful, too, because uh, we don't want people to necessarily wait on Election Day because it may be a challenge. If you aren't familiar with voting or you may not have all your documents, you may be waiting in line and then be turned away for whatever issue. And we don't know if you're able to get that issue rectified in the same day. So we definitely want to encourage people to um, in-person early vote, because if you need to register or anything else, um, I would much rather you not have your documents and then being able to have a week or two or how many days to go fix it than to realize that you have a problem on Election Day and may not have enough time to rectify that. Mm. I think it's so important to talk about the different ways that people can vote, because I don't think, you know, I think the story that you told earlier really emphasizes that it's not always easy to show up and vote on on a Tuesday in the middle of the week when you're parenting and when you're, you know, working and when you're trying to, like, just, you know, make it through your your life. Um, And so I think a lot of times we do kind of badmouth the the folks who don't show up to vote. I think right now what I want to do is highlight that 27% of pre-registered re- registered voters have already voted. Um, that's the Madison's mm-hmm. clerk's office just tweeted that. Um, and so I'm like, it seems like there's good voter turnout today. I don't want to jinx the the situation, um, but yeah. it seems yeah. like folks are excited about the, this election. Do you all have a sense going into the le- the election whether or not your ability to turn out has been turn out the vote has been effective? Um, do you feel like more young people are showing up? Do you feel like more folks um, who are are living in poverty are showing up? Do you feel like more folks with disabilities have access to voting because of the work you all have done? And how do you gauge the effectiveness of your work? Yeah, I mean, I always want to say yes, right? Um, but at the same time, we know that it's a challenge. But this is why we have a year-round presence, right? If people are like, I don't know about voting, I don't know if my vote matters, this is why we have, like, a series of conversations. We don't just start to have these conversations in September or October of an election year. Um, We've also seen people uh, say, you know what, you knocked on my door and I wasn't, you know, really down about voting, but after talking to you, I'm going to vote now. Um, Or people saying, thank you so much for giving me this information. I can't um, wait to vote. I'm going to bring all these other people with me. So we've seen and, and heard those experiences where people are like, I am voting because you knocked on my door. And so that is always a powerful feeling. Um, Our team is always very emotional coming back, telling those stories, um, saying, oh, I I flipped a a non-voter to a voter today, or, you know, I am going to personally follow up with this person because they said that they need extra support or they need a ride, so I'm going to keep their number and I'm going to text them on election day. And so I think a lot of times where, you know, we're seeing and we're encouraged by these stories, um, But I always am very cautious to say, yep, absolutely, we're going to increase turnout because there's so many different uh, factors, right, whether it's voter suppression or people feeling like, I don't know if my vote matters, I don't know, um, I'm not educated about the candidates. So we're doing everything that we can to kind of just leave it all out on the field. Um, But at the same time, I do feel very encouraged that we're talking to new voters and we're talking to people specifically in the 53206 zip code, which is the most incarcerated zip code, which a lot of people just skip over because if you are still what we call on papers or probation or parole, you don't have your your voting rights restored yet. You're disenfranchised. Yeah, people just assume, oh, I'm not even going to talk to anybody in that zip code because half of them can't even vote. 
Well, even if people can't vote, guess what? You can still call five or ten a year people. There are people on our team who haven't even had their voting rights restored yet that are doing this work day in and day out. And so we want to make sure that everybody knows that there is a space for you in this democratic process, even if you don't have the ability to vote. And I think that also goes a long way in talking to new people and um, traditionally non-voters or what people like to say, quote, low propensity voters or low information voters. I hate those terms, but um, I think it's important. Important to, to talk to the folks that I think traditional um, fields, um, I think, kind of plans would leave out and talking to people that are often left behind in this political system. That's where we come in. Man, I I love I love the work that you're doing. I love all that you're doing to hype up this election. And I have to say, I know that I'm being an effective hype person for this election because yesterday I was at a school board meeting, seven o'clock at night. My brother calls me, never calls me on Mondays because I always have school board meeting. And so I texted him. I was like, what's up? Are you okay?" And he goes, Ali, my polling place is closed. They're supposed to be open till eight. And I was like, Wally, the election's tomorrow. He was like, you wrote vote today. (laughs) Um, So I was like, oh, I I feel like I've got I'm I'm hyping this up so much. People think that they can just go to the polling, uh, you know, the polling place on on Monday that they can do it in advance. I want to ask you about what's on the ballot today. Uh, so so what are you passionate about in terms of why are you voting, Angela Lang? What, what about this ballot stands out to you? What makes this election special, important, different than other elections? Yeah, I think a lot of things. But the first thing that I'll say is being able to be a part of history and being able to help elect uh, Wisconsin's first black senator. I think that is huge. And, you know, it's not just representation for representation's sake. We know that Mandela understands our needs. He's been where we've been. He understands us as people. And being able to uh, send him to Washington to, to fight on our behalf, I think, is incredibly powerful. And that's really what's been guiding me. But I think in terms of issues, um, I have never felt a sense of urgency the way that I do today. You know, you wake up on Election Day, you can't sleep the night before. There's always a mix of emotions. And I think for the first time, I feel a little bit of a dark cloud um, because things like abortion rights and democracy and criminal justice reform, all of these things are on the ballot. Um, when I was picking out my outfit for today, I'm wearing my Bands Off Our Body t-shirt from Planned Parenthood and my block hoodie because those are things that are important to me, Right. But I think understanding um, how we are showing up um, for democracy is on the ballot. Uh, There are people that are on the ballot that want to roll back our rights. And we've seen the ads. We know what they say. Um, But there are whole groups of people, disenfranchised people, marginalized people who are at risk of having their, their rights, their basic humanities being stripped from us. Um, and, and that is something that I can't just sit on the sidelines. So I need to vote understanding that things aren't automatically going to be better when we wake up in the morning. But we did what we could today and we continue to fight tomorrow. Uh, thank you so much for speaking to that. And I, I think, yeah, the, the the sentiment that reproductive justice is on the ballot, that the legalization of marijuana is on the ballot, that, yeah. um, you know, that unions are on this ballot, uh, that our schools are on this ballot, that the rights of trans children are on this ballot. Um, That that is something that I that's really been driving me. And I I have to say, I haven't felt this way about an election since, you know, probably about 2007. Um, when, when, yeah, I'm like, it's, we're not going back there because we're here today. Today, it's (laughs) November 8th, 2022. Um, and, we can't go backwards, you know, but it's crazy yeah. to think you all just listen to the rights girls, which is, you know, my my daughter and a group of her 12 and 13 year old friends. And my daughter got her period two weeks after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Right. The mm-hmm. I, the idea that her rights to her body, her ability to make decisions about her body um, was stripped away from her. Uh, when when she needs those rights the most, when they are the most precious and important. Um you know, is something that I think is is worth fighting for today. Are are there things that you you really want the the folks who are listening to know about this election, to know about voting before before we're out of time? I think what I would say is, um, again, I don't think I've ever woken up and 
felt this strong sense of urgency the way that I do today, right? Um, like, is democracy still going to be a thing tomorrow if we reelect um, people like Senator Ron Johnson um, and Tim Michaels? Are we going to have our basic rights? Like, this is like I'm not even being hyperbolic at this point. Like, this is this is literally what is on our ballot um, today. And so it takes every single person. If you care about your rights, your future, and the future of the state in this country, we have to show up, and we also have to continue to stay engaged. And if people are on the fence, like, get get your friends and take them with you. If they're like, I don't know, pick them up, literally. Explain in the car on the way there what is at stake, because it's going to be a very close election, and every text message, every door knock, every phone call is going to make the difference. And I want people to understand that the work doesn't end today. We are going to continue to fight to preserve, to protect not only our democracy, but the rights of our futures and our children and the rights that we currently have. And I think this is kind of a battle of the soul of our nation at this point. And it starts with these midterms. But we also know that we have to show up in the spring. A lot of people are like, wait, there's elections in spring? There's an election in February and April for the things like the state Supreme Court, which also will directly impact our futures and our rights and our bodies as well. Oh, thank you so much for speaking to that. I think, you know, I've been trying to figure out how to ask this question. It's going to be my last question. Um, But if folks don't get the result that they want from today, um, what is the work tomorrow, right? If you don't get what you want today, if you don't and, and you're not willing to say the election was fraudulent and disparage our entire electoral system, you accept the results of the election, you just don't get what you want. Um, mm-hmm. I think what, you know, we've got, we still have to stand up for each other. And I'm, I'm wondering yep. what you think that should look like. I think that means being able to call our legislators, being that thorn in in their side, making sure they always know the issues that they should be working on. And if they are not working on those issues, then we need to continue to push them. Um, They may or may not do that. But I also think it's important that whatever um, happens, if they try to roll back any rights of any marginalized person, we need to stand with that community. If they try to attack trans kids, we need to be right there with them standing and supporting trans kids. And so whatever, um, if, if the election doesn't go the way that they want and things harmful, um, harmful policies come out of this, we need to make sure that we're showing up for our communities and for each other and making sure that we're protecting each other as well in these really tough times. Well, folks, you heard it here. That's Angela Lang from Block. You know, make sure that you get out and vote. Make sure that you get your family and your community out and vote. Thank you for listening to WORT 89.9 FM Madison. This is a public affair. I'm Ali Maldro. We'll see you next week. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound.